Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Amen. Worthy is the name of Jesus. Amen. Telling you, that's a beautiful song. I want to learn that one. I don't know that one. I'm looking forward to learning that one. Open your Bibles, or uh, if you already have them open, look again. Mark chapter 12. I'm going to let you remain seated again. We're going to hold up our Bibles in just a moment, but I'm going to read the whole section this morning. I'm going to try to make it to the whole section, but the whole section is still really about questioning the authority of Jesus is what they're doing. And so I want to kind of finish that up or that that thought up. At the same time, I want to bring the title of this message, the one with the answers. The one with the answers. So Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. But before we read, hold your Bible up. If you got it, hold it up over your head. This is the word of God. I will read it. I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. I trust that is true for you. This week, we're going to begin reading. If you Again, I invite you strongly as I know how. I'm not going to come to you and ask you and harass you, but I invite you, encourage you to read chronologically through God's word with us. Uh, I understand that, again, all of Scripture is profitable, and we need to read all of it and follow and obey what it says, no matter where it's at. It's the word of God. But we're now entering in our reading in the New Testament. And I think if, if you read it in a chronological fashion as we are doing, as it's done for me, and I hope for you if you've been reading the Old Testament, it opens up your eyes to just a different view. That doesn't change what it means at all. But it changes for you how you view it because you see things as Jesus is doing chronologically. And as the New Testament, the church was growing chronologically, the things that were happening. And it gives it a little different perspective for you. I hope, I believe, it has for me. So I want to encourage you with that. But right now where we're at, let's begin in verse 13. And they send unto him. Now, the they and the him is important. The they uh, is the religious leaders. It was really the Sanhedrin, which was the highest court in all of Jerusalem and all of Israel. Uh, they were sending the Pharisees and the Herodians and even the Sadducees in this section to Jesus. Three distinct groups, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But they, the religious leaders, the priests... Uh, we're sending people to Jesus to ask questions, to, and, and as Mark rightly points out, to try to trip him up, to catch him in his words. They send unto him, Jesus, certain of the Pharisees and the Herodians, to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man. Now, carest for no man, you don't care what anybody thinks of you. You don't care... You're not taking, you're not being political in what you say and do. For thou regardest not the, the 
person of men, but teacheth the way of God in truth. And here comes the question. Is it lawful to give tribute or taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, being Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it, and he saith unto them, Whose is the image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then come unto him the, San the Sadducees, which say, There is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die, and leave his wife behind him, and leave no children, and his brother should take his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren. Now let me stop right there. In the, in the Jewish law, if a man had brothers that were not married, that man who married somebody, if he were to die before he had children, his brothers were then to marry his wife, the dead man's wife, and raise up seed to his, their brother's name. That was a thing in the Jewish law. And so now he's saying this woman, this man who dies, he has six brothers. All six of them, gives him this hypothetical situation. All six of them marry the woman and they, they, they die leaving her no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed. And the third likewise. And the seven or all seven married her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering and said unto them, Do, you not there, do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven." And as touching the dead, that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us see these questions, that we would see them, Father, not for the answer so much that he gives, but the fact that you and your son, Jesus Christ, have the answers. And God, you know all things, and you're in control of all things, and the future is in your hands. Heaven is yours, and what a wonderful place it will be. But God, in this life, help us to come to you for the questions we have. Help us to look to you for the answers we need. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to touch on this topic, the one with the answers. And I'm not going to look so much at the questions they ask. We're going to touch on that briefly. But I just want to talk, if I could, for a moment about Jesus. God is the one who has the answers. Have you ever had a question that you wanted to ask? Just, I mean, just raise your hand to me. You ever, any time in your life, ever had a question? I've got a question. Have you ever had a question that you were afraid to ask? 
Have you ever had a question asked of you? Ever had a question asked of you that you were afraid to answer? Ever had a question asked of you that you didn't know the answer? Ever had a question asked of you that made you question? This message is for you because Jesus has the answers. And it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what position you have, doesn't matter what you even think as far as what the answer is, Jesus has the answer. The answer doesn't change based on what we think. The answer doesn't change based on who we are. The answer doesn't even change based on why we're asking the question. But Jesus has the answers. He is the one with the answers. The, the world has questions. When I say the world, I mean the lost world. If, everybody in the world, but let me focus for a moment on the lost world. People have questions. These people had questions. Now, these people's questions were not really questions they were looking for the answer to. They were trying to trip up and catch Jesus. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But people do have legitimate questions. Now, the questions here, the two questions that we're dealing with in this section of Scripture are, should we pay taxes? And if you're saying there's a resurrection, whose husband will be this woman's who? Who's going to be with who when we get to heaven? Right? I mean, in this life, we have people that either Christians, that a spouse dies and they marry somebody else, so when they get to heaven, who's going to be their spouse? Or people get divorced and then they remarry. Who's, I mean, who's going to be their spouse? Christians, it happens. That was the question. Now, neither question was sincere, as is pointed out in both places it was pointed out to trip up Jesus. They were asking a question to try to catch him in his words. And just to kind of touch on it, Jesus answers the question about the penny. We read it where he says, hey, bring me a piece of money. Whose image is on the money? Well, it's Caesar's. And he answers the question, give unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's? In other words, yes, give unto, unto Caesar." The taxes. Now, again, understand, nobody wanted to pay taxes, just like we don't like paying taxes. Nobody wanted to pay taxes. The Jews, of all people, didn't want to pay taxes to the Romans. The Romans were notorious for heavily taxing the people that were under them to fund the glory of Rome and the glory of the army and the glory of the empire and the emperor. That was all undue or unfair in, in all those things. But Jesus says, yes, pay it. And what was happening here was this. The questions were meant to trip them up, meaning it was not a legitimate, sincere, genuine question. But before I even go there, let me back up one more time and just, just say this. The world has all kinds of questions. Is there a God? Where is God? I mean, questions that are legitimate, questions that are genuine. Why does God let things happen that he does? If God's really in control, then why did this happen? And why did that happen? The world, you know, is God really going to allow people to go to hell? There are real questions. What is God, if there is a God, what does it have to do with me? Or what does he want from me? If there's a God, how can I know him? And what does he want me to do? If there is no God, then what? People have real questions. 
And there are people that will come to you and ask questions, and they're genuine. But there's also people that will come to you and ask questions that are not. The world will ask questions, and these questions were meant to trip up Jesus, and the devil uses the world to ask us, being Christians, questions to try to trip you up, to try to catch you in your words just as they did Jesus. I want you to notice that these questions were meant to trip up Jesus, and the world will use questions to trip us up, but I want you to see that first, notice what they did is often what the world does. The world doesn't often come to us and say, hey, you're a fake and you're a phony, answer this. Now, sometimes they do that, but that's not typically what the world does. There are some that will be bold and say, hey, I don't believe a thing you're saying, so answer this, where did God come from? If God created the universe, if God is the God that, if he's always been, well then how did he get here? And they'll ask questions that they aren't really sincere, but they're just being bold. And that sometimes happens. But typically what happens is, is people do to us just what they did to Jesus. They came and they first want to flatter you. Just as they came and they wanted to flatter Jesus. Look down there and it says, verse 14, We know that thou art true and carest for no man. For thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. They're flattering him. They, 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 they know that they're, they're trying to, okay, so I'm going to be real sweet and I'm going to be real kind because I don't want you to know that I'm trying to trip you up. And so therefore, I'm going to make you just feel so good about yourself. And there are people that will come to you and they will butter you up and they will talk good about you. But then they're secretly just trying to trip you up and catch you in your words. In fact, when the world does this, they will do it in ways the devil doesn't care who that he sends. Just like in this situation, there are people that are enemies of each other, but they will unite against the church, against Christians, against the purposes of God. In this section of scripture, in the very first part, it says, I sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians. Now, we hear the word Pharisee a lot if you read your Bible. The Herodians we don't hear so much about, but let me just explain who they were. Herodians were people that basically supported the Roman government. They, they supported them. They, they were the Roman government had put Herod the Tetrarch in power originally then and he had sons and they divided up the kingdom but they were supported by the roman government and so therefore that's why king herod he wasn't really the king but he was because the romans said he was and so therefore they supported supported rome and the occupation thereof then you had the pharisees who hated Rome, hated everything about Rome, hated the control of the Romans, hated paying taxes to the Romans, but they conspired together, and the they again was the Sanhedrin, the highest, the Pharise- the highest uh, priests, the religious leaders, the highest court in that area, in Israel's, uh, the context of Israel. They're sending them to try to catch Jesus. Because if he says, yes, pay taxes to Caesar, it's going to upset the people because they're like, well, wait a minute, we're tired of paying taxes to Caesar. But if he says, no, don't pay taxes to Caesar, then they're going to say, well, you're trying to start an insurrection. You're trying to start a rebellion against Caesar and against Rome. And so they were trying to catch him in his 
words. They tried to butter him up, but they secretly were out to sabotage. And the world will do the same to you and me. It doesn't matter whether they get along or not. We look at the world around us, and there's very few groups that really genuinely love it in the world now, in the world's view, in the world's mind. Not talking about Christians, but just talking about people in general. If they're honest, well, I don't really like that group over there, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend, as the saying goes. And that's what they were doing, and the world will do the same to you and me. Not to be our friend, but to try to trip us up, to try to catch us in our words, to try to make us doubt what we believe. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing in the second section where they ask about this woman. They get this way out there hypothetical situation that may have happened once in a million. And now they're saying, well, what about this? Understand the second question is the Sadducees who also did not like the Pharisees, who also did not like the Herodians, but now they're in on this and they don't believe. They're religious leaders. They were trying to keep the Jewish traditions, but they did not believe that there was an actual resurrection of which Jesus was talking about. In other words, there, there is no afterlife resurrection of the dead is what they believed. And so now they're trying to come and catch him in his words, and they're saying, well, if there is a resurrection of the dead, how does this all work out? Whose wife or whose husband or who's going to be the husband of this woman? And they're trying to trap him and catch him. The world wants to discredit us. The world wants to derail us. The world wants to deter us. And that's what they're trying to do to Jesus Christ. The, this group that was opposed to one another, they came together to try to disrupt Jesus, but Jesus, knowing all things because he has the answers, knew exactly what they were doing. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what was in their mind. But here's the thing. The world has questions. Questions that are meant to trip us up, questions that are caught, meant to make us doubt. But God allows questions because the questions are meant to draw us to him. The questions they had, even though they were insincere, drew them to Jesus. The questions that we have in life, that we have about, you know, why is this person allowed to be sick? Why did this child have to die? Why does this person have to be abused? Why does this have to happen over here? Why is this stroke? Why is this disease? Why is this cancer? Why, why, why? But it's meant to draw us to him because he has the answers. We're not going to find answers in ourselves. We're not going to find answers from the world, but we can find answers to him in him and the second thing I want you to see is not just as the world have answers but let's just be honest we as believers have or I'm sorry not just as the world have questions but we as believers have questions right I mean let's be honest for a moment I don't have all the answers to life and, and nor do you I said it in Sunday school in relation to, to our book that we're going through, but there's two incontrovertible facts in this world, or at least two, and the two that are most incontrovertible is that there is a God and that we're not him. And so therefore, I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but Jesus has the answers. And believers, Christians, church, we have questions, right? Why? 
when I raised my child in church and taught them the word of God and taught them about Jesus and trying to pour into them the Bible, did they stray? Do they wander? Why are they not here now? Or why are they out of church altogether? Or I've tried to do right, I've tried to live for God, and things just haven't gone the way I thought. I've got this problem and this trial and this headache and this hardship. Why? You know, generally our questions surround why or how. Why did this happen? Why me? Or how? How how is this going to work out? How is this going to bring glory to God? How is this going to work out for my good? How is this fair? Right? We have questions, real questions. As believers, I think we have questions, and I think for the most part as believers, they're not hypothetical questions. They're not insincere questions. They're not fake questions trying to trip up God. We just want to know the answer. There's things in life that we just don't, understand there's things in this life this preacher doesn't understand Ella's going to have surgery again on the third well, why did he have to have surgery the first time I understand it was a kidney stone but why couldn't they get it why did she have to have it to begin with and I know kidney stones are awful for anybody that's ever had them but the surgery is not a major surgery I get that but as a father and for you parents you understand what I'm talking about watching your loved one have to be given anesthesia and put under it's scary right I mean it's not okay I understand it's not open heart surgery or they're not cutting into her brain or or taking out a tumor somewhere it's nothing like that I get that but it's still and I know it's safe and all those things but at the same time then things happen like her blood pressure goes up and her heart rate escalates and and they don't know why why does it have to happen how are we going to get through it when is God going to give me answers I mean let's just be point blank there's times we just struggle with that and if you don't you're a far more spiritual Christian than I am because if we're honest, we all do in different things. When will God act? When God going to come? When God going to put a stop to all of this wickedness and sin in the world? How is this fair? Why did this have to happen? Can I just go back to the fact that God allows us to have those questions so that we go to him? And that God is doing things and God is working in ways that we will never understand? And can I just share a bit of testimony with you about how God showed that to me this week? I've got a dear, sweet friend, and, and by the way, a friend that you guys have as well, Elaine Hendricks, over in a memory facility that happened all of a sudden. Right? One minute she's sharp as a tack, and the next minute now she doesn't know who I am. And she doesn't know where she's at. And she doesn't understand. And again, I'm not, I'm not making fun when I say this, but we go over there and we see her and she's talking to people that aren't there. And she's seeing, uh, like she told me, there's organs all over the room. This guy's playing organs. And there's things, I'm just like, God, why would you let that happen to her? And we can say, well, it's part of life and, and part of you know, age and people get dementia or Alzheimer's and it's, just, it's the curse of this world. I get that. But can I just let you in on a little reason why it might have been why? 
this is not about me, but I'm going to tell you what I did when I went over there and what happened. But I just want you to see that there's things that are going on that never would have gone on, perhaps, if something didn't happen to her or to you. And so by happening to her, I want you to apply it to yourself. There's things that we just don't understand. I went over there to visit her. I try to go over there about once a week to go over and, and, and see her. And I know that most of the time when I go in there, she doesn't know who I am. She's excited to see me. She'll call me one of her brother's names. Uh, this last time she thought I was a woman. I mean, it, it's, and I'm not saying to be funny. I'm just simply saying that's her mindset and as I go in there and I thought I was going there when Jerry was going to be there and Jerry had already left and I said well did Jerry already leave and she said well Jerry hadn't even been here today and I and the nurse said well actually he left about 15 minutes ago and I said okay I knew he'd been there and I said well I said uh, you know ask her how she was doing and we started just walking in the hallway in the corridor she walked down to one end of the hallway and there'd be a keypad so she that you had to put in to get out the door to go outside and she goes, well, what is this? And I said, well, that, I don't know, the, I don't know what the, the passcode is for that. I said, I guess we'll have to go down the other end. We walked down the other end of the hallway. There's another, pass, or another keypad down there. And she said, well, what is this? And I said, well, it looks like a combination. I don't know it. Do you? And she goes, no, I don't know it. She goes, let's try the other end. We walked back down to the other end. As we're walking, I began to hum, just humming. And she turned to nobody and said, she likes to sing all the time. And I looked at her and I said, well, I do like to sing. And I started singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And as I'm singing that little simple song, this woman who doesn't know who I am, can't figure out there's a keypad in both ends of the hall and that we're going to the same ends of the hall back and forth every time, breaks out with amazing grace and sang every last word of every last verse of that song. And as we're singing, another person joins us and another person and another person. And I start singing a different song. Start singing Victory in Jesus. Then I start singing What a Day That Will Be. And I've got three or four or five women walking along with me. All of them don't know who they are, why they're there, or what's going on. But they're singing the words of this song. And one of them grabs me. And, and I forgot the words to victory in Jesus at one point, And she carries on singing every last word. And I, I said, I forgot those words. Thank you for remembering those. And she goes, I don't even know what that song is, but I like it. Well, I, I looked at her and I said, well, it's a song about victory we have in Jesus. But obviously you do know because you knew every last word. And she said, well, what do you know about that? And I started singing, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. And talking about there's no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. Thinking about these women and these men that are in there that have, that they have no trouble because they don't understand the trouble they have. But the things that they're going in people that have been faithful, at least Elaine, been in church for years and years and years. And as we got done singing, I got ready to leave. And I asked the lady if she'd let me out, and she just gave me the code so I could get out. She goes, I know you've been here several times. Here's the code so I could get out. And then she looked at me, and she said, 
We've never had anybody do anything like that or sing songs like that. Thank you. Here's my point. It did me good to hear these women singing these songs. But those workers, I don't know whether they know Jesus or not. We didn't get, have time to get into a conversation about that. They were busy working and I didn't ask them, well, do you know Jesus or do you know those songs? My point was this. If Elaine had never been in that memory facility with the problems that she's having, I never would have had a chance to go in and have our choir of women singing Amazing Grace and what a day that will be for people that don't know the songs. The thing about Jesus having the answers is he doesn't always give us the answers. He doesn't. Remember when they asked him, by what power or what authority do you do this? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. And as much as we may not like it, sometimes God says to us, I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm not going to tell you. But I do have the answers. And here's the thing about Jesus having the answers. When we look to Jesus for the answers. If you look to yourself, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get deflated. You're going to get disgusted. If you look to others, you'll find the same problems. Oh, some may be able to help you someday in some ways, but other days it's just going to fall flat. But when you look to Jesus, you always... Find the one who has the answers. Call on Jesus. When you have questions, call on Jesus. When you have questions, study Jesus. When you have questions, lean on Jesus because he has the answers. And I want you to see the answers that he gave were amazing. Look with me if you would again in verse 17. And Jesus answered them. And look at the last part. And they were, and they marveled at him. They marveled at him. When people ask you questions, it's okay to say, I don't know the answer. But it's also okay to say, you know what? The answer is Jesus. Why did this happen? Don't know, but Jesus. Why is this happening to me? I don't know, but Jesus. When's this going to end? I don't know, but Jesus. You say, well, how does that? Because Jesus is always the answer. Jesus knows the answer. Jesus is the answer. Not only does Jesus have the answers, he is the answer. And when we have Jesus, we have the answer. It may not be the answer we want, and it may not be in the time that we want. It may not be what people want to hear. It doesn't matter. The answer is still the answer, and it's Jesus. So whatever questions you have, whatever things you're struggling with, whatever people are trying to frustrate you, discourage, derail you with their questions and catching you, just turn them to Jesus. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, when people ask me a question, I'll, I'll, I'll give it. If, I know it if, I, if I've got the answer or think I've got the answer, I'll say it this way. I'll say, well, this is, if you really want to know what I think, yes, I want to know what you think, then here's what I think. But I could be wrong. Now, I'm not wrong about Jesus. I'm not wrong that he's the son of God. I'm not wrong that he's the savior. I'm not wrong that he is 
our sacrifice and our lamb and our payment for our sin. I'm not wrong about that. I'm not wrong about the fact that it's nothing that I do and all about what he's done. I'm not wrong about the fact that anybody can be saved. I'm not wrong about the fact that all we have to do is call on him to repent and believe to be saved. I'm not wrong about that, but I'm telling you, and there's no question in my mind I watched a movie the other day, and I loved, I loved the movie. Uh, and I, It was uh, the Phil Robertson movie. It's called The Blind, and it was about his life before Duck Dynasty happened. And he was not a good man. He was a lost man. He was a wicked man. He was an evil man. He was a hateful man. He was a drunken man. He was an abusive man. He was a, a philandering man. All these things he talks about. And then at the end of the movie, he has him on stage, and he says, that was embarrassing. But God, God is the answer. He was looking for answers. He didn't even know what he was looking for, but God was the answer. And the one thing he said that I didn't like is he said, and I understand he was saying it in his tongue-in-cheek, Phil Robertson way, if you ever watched Duck Dynasty or Phil Robertson, but he said, I may be wrong, but it's not likely. I just say this, I may be wrong about some things, but I'm not about that. There's one way to heaven, and that's the answer that really matters. There's one answer to this life, and it's Jesus. Don't understand? Turn to Jesus. Have a question? Turn to Jesus. Are you hurting? Turn to Jesus. Are you lost? Turn to Jesus. Are you blind? Turn to Jesus. Are you frustrated and discouraged and hurt and pained? Turn to Jesus because Jesus has the answers because Jesus is the answer. I once heard a preacher preaching about the fact that Jesus has the keys, and that's in the book of Revelation. But I also want to say this, Jesus is the key. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to be asked questions. Just remember that there is one with the answers for your life and for everybody else and that's not in question and it's Jesus let's pray Father I pray that you would help us today God oh God we have questions God we've got trials and troubles and headaches and hardships we've got heaviness we have turmoil we have doubts, but not about you. And if we do, God, help us. And God, I pray that you would answer as only you can answer and that we would be amazed at the answer. And in a world where the answers seem to change from one day to the next, we would know that you never change. God, I pray that you would help us to turn to you for the answers that we need. That we would turn to you for the greatest question of life. How do I get eternal life into where you are? And we'd find the answer is Jesus. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. This way.